Now, if we could t- turn to the book of Ephesians, book of Ephesians, and it's on page 1162, 1162. Right, page 1162, and uh, we've been going through Ephesians now for many months, um, and um, I'm going to make slow progress today with the rest of of Ephesians, because I have uh, simply uh, a very short sentence to look at. So if we look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21... Uh, in fact, I've said a sentence. It's actually part of a sentence and part of a verse. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And in fact, in my next sermon, I'll be talking about reverence for Christ and looking at the issue of um, uh, husbands and wives and their attitudes in marriage. But in fact, tonight I'm just looking at those four words. Submitting to one another. Submitting to one another. Um, could we pray, please? Oh, Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you that your word is the guide that we need for our Christian lives. And Lord, um, how often, Lord, have we missed the peace and the joy of walking in your will by not keeping to your word, by not understanding it, by ignoring it. And Lord, sometimes by rebelling against your word. Oh, Father, forgive us for our our juvenile and silly attitudes we sometimes have to Christian discipleship. Please forgive us for our willful disobedience. Please forgive us, Lord, for for our our coldness um, and our our, our lack of vigor in following you. But we pray, Lord, that you will open your word to us tonight and encourage us and help us. Uh, Lord, in learning about submitting to one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've said that I'm only speaking about four words, but of course, any sermon at all has to pay attention to a context, and the context is more than a few, uh, four words. The whole context of what Paul has been talking about is, has been about wise living. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as not as uh, unwise, but as wise, which we have looked about that, that in the past. And uh, he's talk, been talking about being filled with the Spirit, and uh, which we've also looked at in previous weeks. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these are wonderful and marvelous aspects of the Christian life. Being filled with the Spirit to be able to praise Him, to be thankful at all times, to be be able to teach and help and share fellowship. This is a wonderful supernatural aspect of the Christian life that we sometimes think, oh, it's all down to, to, to us. It's, oh... He's full of the Spirit, so he's going around, you know, full of bubble and, and, and squeak, and a lot of squeaking, and basically, um, that it's somehow, 
something, something almost human. Oh, he's filled with spirit. Oh, great man, he's filled with spirit. No. The wonderful thing is that we are empty vessels at best. It is when the spirit fills us that we actually have the power of God at work within us to help us to praise God, to help us to thank God, to help us uh, to, um, to give thanks to God for everything. But also, and this is the important thing, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, now um, you know, how can we, t- how can we take the, this verse, submitting to one another? Um, the actual word in, in, the, in the Greek is a word, it's an old word that was used for centuries before to do with order in an army. And uh, it's like, get into line, you know, get into position. And you then have a, you know, they have the hierarchy in the army. Now, in the British army, if I, if I just quote a few, it's a bit like the Valley of Dry Bones, you know, you, you know the, the, the song, you know. The private submits to the lance corporal. The lance corporal submits to the corporal. The corporal submits to the sergeant. The sergeant uh, submits to the warrant officer. And it goes all the way up to the general, you know. People submitting to one another. Now, that was the original use hundreds of years before. Uh, There's pretty good grounds for saying that actually by this time in uh, the Greek of, of his day, it wasn't actually necessarily talking about a hierarchy. And indeed, when we look in the context of what Paul is talking about, it, 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 to me it's clear it's nothing to do with a hierarchy, of submitting to a hierarchy. As if in the church, oh yes, I've got to submit to my house group leader. And then the house group leader, he submits to the deacons. And then the deacon submits to the elders. And then the elders submit to the pastor or the bishop or or the apostle or whatever you want to call the person at the top of the hierarchy. But that isn't what Paul is talking about here. I don't think so. And I think it's, it's pretty clear that this is so. Paul is talking about a new way of Christians relating to one another. That is... Not that they are submitting to a, to a specific hierarchy, but actually that they are relating to one another in a, in, in a submission to one another. Now, that new attitude, that new order of relationships is the basis, yes, of authority in the church, authority in relationships, authority and attitudes in marriage and in um, parents and children and uh, people in employment, slaves and masters in those days. Yes, there is authority relationships that Paul later on deals with. But when he talks about submitting to one another in, in, in the reverence of Christ, he isn't primarily there talking about a hierarchy of authorities. He's talking about a new order of relationships. Now, so what, what are we talking about here? If it's not, oh, I'm, I'm not submitting, uh, I'm not talking about submitting to the general in the army, um, but what, what, is it, what, is he, what does he mean? You've got a church of, let's say a, a small church of 30 people. Does it mean that 
submitting to 30 people. That's now the Christian life. I've got to do everything that those 30 people because I'm submitting to everybody. Well, Paul again can't mean that because, of course, 30 people have totally different wills, have totally different plans. You know, if, if uh, you ask 30 people what they think you know, Fred should do, they, they might have 30 different plans of what they want him to do on that particular occasion. Paul is talking rather about a whole constellation of attitudes involved in relating to fellow Christians. Uh, and uh, this submitting to other people, I, I think we can anchor in our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, if you have, uh, you know, if you want to, look up Hebrews 10. You can just listen to me otherwise. Hebrews 10, verses 5 to 9. Hebrews 10 and verses 5 to 9. And you'll see, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh. It says in Hebrews 10, that's on page 1194 in the church Bibles. 1194, verse 5, Hebrews 10, verse 5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said... Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You've neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world in submission to his Father's will. In John 4, 34, Jesus said to his disciples, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus didn't submit to his Father's will out of some kind of, oh, I've got, you know, some moaning, complaining attitude. His joy, his food, his, his energy came from his delight in submitting to his father's will. John 6, 38. I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. So Jesus is, Jesus submitted to his, the, his father's will in joy and maintain his loving relationship with his father in submit, submitting uh, to the father's will. Now, in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, we reminded of this uh, last week at, at uh, Letton Hall, Jesus was in the garden and he, he had come into this world, taken on flesh, and now was aware uh, that his time was short, a few hours before he was going to be mocked and whipped and, and then crucified and he said if lord if it be your if it be your will can you take this cup away from me but yet not as i will but as you will and jesus even though the the human nature that, that, uh, that the son of god had taken on uh shrunk in in horror that what he was about to go through bearing the sin of the world upon himself not not just the floggings not just the crucifixion, but the actual taking 
the horror of sin upon himself, suffering in our place, becoming as if he was sinful, although he was perfectly righteous, in order that we might be free. And, and Jesus submitted to the will of his Father. Now, that is one of the basic attitudes that is part of what the Spirit of God wishes to produce in us. Firstly, a submission to the will of God, to the plans and will of God, and to to his glory. But secondly, of course, we're told here that we are to learn to submit to to our fellow Christians, to their, their good, their happiness, their interests coming first. We are, as Jesus was totally dedicated to the Father's will and to serving sinners, we are to love one another. And the loving and serving of our fellow Christians is to be part of our, of our soul and our heart's um, um, heartbeat, you might say. Now, I would like to talk to someone perhaps who may not yet know Christ personally. Uh, and it might be quite difficult to, to understand what I've been talking about uh, so far if, if you don't know Christ personally. So I want to just think about what Christ has done for us through his submission, his dedication um, to us, us human beings. Because we, we said he, was, he, he submitted himself to the Father. But you know, the Lord Jesus Christ throughout his life submitted himself to the, to, the, uh, to, to the people of this world, sinful people. Now, now just imagine for, for a second, in your life, you've probably met someone at some point in time that has been really painful to you. It might have been a bully when you were at school that constantly was um, either physically attacking you, that, that did happen, at some, I remember that when I was at school, or it could be the drip by drip, day by day, pain of someone insulting you and bringing you down in front of other people. Think of a person in your, if you're an older person in your family life, professional life, or a neighbor who has been nasty to you or negative, who constantly has, has made you angry and aggravated and hurt you. And you find, you've always found this person really difficult to deal with and even forgive, even as a Christian maybe, that sometimes you felt that about someone. Now, imagine how Christ has found us in our lives. Imagine the Lord Jesus Christ knows you back to front. Uh, The Bible says he knows your goings out and your comings in. He knows everything about you. And he has seen the nastiness that you've shown, the breaking of God's laws, the lack of love in your life. He's seen the, the dark side of you. And he's taken it personally. He's taken it personally because, because everything nasty we've done to another person is magnified infinitely to the heart of the, of the Lord God who has actually made the rules of love by which we should live. We're meant to be living for his glory and yet we've lived in the dark. We've done what the devil wants us to do. We've actually gone with the flow of this self-centered rotten world and our lives have become rotten in his sight and in fact... The Bible talks about being a stink, a smell in the nostrils of God. And yet, this Jesus, who found our lifestyle, our thoughts, our thinking, our very being repulsive, 
He loved us so much, he actually submitted himself to us. He to serve us. It tells us that in John 10. Oh, sorry, Mark 10. Mark 10, Jesus talking to his disciples says, The Son of Man, Jesus, has not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came into this world not to be served, but to serve. Luke's Gospel says something similar about that he, he's come to serve, to serve the sinner, to serve the, to serve the devil's friend, to serve the, the people who crucified him, to serve the world that wouldn't receive him, the world that can, uh, holds him in contempt. He can, he's come to serve and he submitted himself to, to us. He's, uh, to, he's come in humility and he's come to save us. Now, I want, would like to say that if, if you haven't yet um, come to Christ, understand that his heart is one of, of love and kindness to those who are prepared to turn away from the world, the, your, your old life, and the devil. And if you're just prepared to come and trust him, that's all it is. You don't have to, it's not a question of you cleaning yourself up, you know, going to some kind of rehab first. You know, we find this with people that have alcohol problems, drug problems, celebrities. They go into rehab. And then once they've cleaned themselves up, they'll make a public presentation of themselves. Some people think that's how you become a Christian. Yeah, I'll come to church for six months. Uh, I'll pray. I'll fast. I'll do all this. I'll be rehabilitate myself. Then I'll come to Christ. The Bible says no. If you do that, you will never, ever come to Christ. Because Christ came into this world to suffer and die to take you as you are. He's the one who will rehabilitate you. Jesus is the one who will clean you. Jesus is the one who will infuse into you eternal life. And all you have to do is trust him. Ask him into your life. And as we, you know, standing in this, I'm standing in this, you know, small church. He's here. He's in, of course, we know he inhabits the furthest stars, the billions and trillions of of, of um, planetary and, and stellar bodies there are in the universe, he sees them all, and in, he's 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 everywhere. But he is in this church tonight, and he's he's actually in your room at home where you are, and he is saying, "Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." And so do that. Just trust him tonight, and joyfully receive and thank him. For the eternal life he offers to you. Now, Jesus showed throughout his life this incredible uh, love and kindness uh, to his people. And, uh, you know, that is part of this constellation of things involved in submission. Is love and kindness, humility patience and service this is i mean what what does it mean to submit to someone's will well basically of course we have an example that paul talks about later on in ephesians about the master and the slave uh the master expects the slave to do everything he says on the dot otherwise you get a good whipping you know and the, the slave will submit he will do what the master wants but of course if um there's other other i mean in members of families likewise Members of families can be, they can conduct their, the fact they submit to someone's will. They're prepared to do what someone wants because of fear. 
That can happen in some families, especially where there are, where there are violent, abusive parents. The child is, it goes through a misery of, of, uh, of fear, of, of breaking, and not doing exactly what their parents want. But of course, there's other kinds of submission, which is in a, in a healthy family, a loving family, a little child will do what mummy wants. I mean, I, my, one of my grandsons uh, uh, the other day, he loved sweets, but when I offered him a sweet, he said, my mummy says I should never have sweets, <laughs> um, apart from when she gives her, you know, and clean my teeth and that sort of thing. And that's love. That's, that wasn't out of fear. That's out of love because the grandchild loves mummy, wants to do what mummy wants, not what granddad wants to, wants to do. And so there are different kinds of submission. Submission based upon love, wanting to do the will of someone out, out of love, or out of fear. Now, I want us to notice this, that when Paul is talking to the, to the Ephesian Christians, he says, submitting to one another. He is not talking about submitting to other people's wills out of fear. He's talking about a voluntary, because they've got to, he's talking about a voluntary act of wanting to love and care and serve these fellow Christians. So submitting yourself is the opposite, for instance, of lording it over people. Uh, Paul, uh, on one occasion, talks about, not we lord it over your faith, but our workers with you for your joy. For in your faith you're standing firm. And he says, I'm an apostle, but I'm not trying to push you around. I'm not trying to dominate, dominate and, and be domineering. I'm, I'm, I just want the best for you. In the Old Testament, uh, in uh, Ezekiel, it says, uh, talking about pastors who've, uh, the sheep, or rather, the, the pastors of the sheep in the Old Testament times, the, the prophets and the scribes, it says, those who are sickly, you've not strengthened. The diseased, you've not healed. The broken, you've not bound up. The scattered, you've not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you have dominated them. Talking about the Old Testament leaders. And actually, there are some so-called Christian groups that precisely govern their churches on the basis of dominant, domineering, forcing people into, into, into doing things that that particular leadership wants. Now, we're not here talking about the obedience to the revealed word of God. Of course, a church exists to, uh, to, to uh, teach the absolute word of God and people's obedience to it. And indeed, if um, people join a church and then keep breaking the word of God, the clear revealed word of God, like stealing or gambling or what, what have you, drunkenness and so on, the church has to do something about it. But I'm talking about situations where people domineer people's lives. They want their money. They want their, their mental freedom. They want, they want them to do exactly as they want them to, to be, wear the kind of clothes they want them to wear, they want, the, the, the kind of uh, employment they want them to do. No, that isn't part of submission. There are people who want to have a following for themselves. Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians, we don't preach ourselves. Paul says, I'm not trying to build a following for the Paul, you know, the anointed group of the followers of Paul. No. Paul says, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as slaves for your sake. 
submitting ourselves to other people isn't trying to domineer other people. It isn't trying to be first, to be most important. Uh, in in uh, 3 John, uh, John talks about Diotrephes, who loves to be first, verse 9, loves to be first among them, and doesn't accept what we say. For this reason, I, I, if I come, I'll call attention to all of his deeds which he does, unjustly accusing us with the wicked words. And not just satisfied with this, he himself doesn't receive the brethren either, and he forbids those who desire to do so, and puts them out of the church. Submission is the opposite of loving to be first. It's to do with humility. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, talking to the pastors of a church, he says, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, not for money, but with eagerness. So pastors, you submit yourself to the Lord, and you serve the Lord, not because you feel you have to, because, you know, it's compulsory. No, it's voluntary that you should do your work. And because it's voluntary, you're not trying to get, make lots of money out of being a pastor. You're not trying to gain, gain anything. You actually serve the Lord with eagerness, nor yet lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. That's what pastors should be doing. Not seeking to get people to submit to themselves, to, to them. You know, that's the important thing. You've got to submit to me and my particular views, my particular ways. Not lording it over them. But providing to be examples of the flock. You younger men likewise subject, be subject to your elders. Submit to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And here we see um, what humility, uh, so what, what submitting uh, to, to our fellow Christians is about. It's not being proud. That's a, that, it's, it's, not, it's not being someone who, who is constantly, their ego means that they've got to have people congratulating them or people following their views or, and what have you. It's actually being humble. God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submitting to one another means being servants. Paul says, what is apostle and what is, what is Apollos and what is Paul? They're servants for whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. What am I, Paul says, I'm just a servant. I'm not Mr. Big. I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Small. I'm a servant. <laughs> and... Paul, as an apostle, was submitting himself to, um, uh, to, his, to his flock. We are God's fellow workers. You're God's field, God's building. It's God that's in control of, of what you're saying, of, of, what you're, uh, of, sorry, of what you're building. Now, okay, now what I've said so far, though, may pose certain questions. People might say, well, you just told me that that Paul was included in this assertion of, being, of, of submitting himself, being subject to one another. Well, how can that be right? Well, firstly, um, this submitting that we're talking about, it doesn't mean that we allow our fellow Christians to indulge in sinful behavior, for instance. That's not what Paul meant when he was saying submit to one another. 
Jesus tells us if we see a brother that sins or sister that sins, we're to to tell them about their sin privately. And if they don't repent, we're then to take another person or two people along with us to try to get them to. And if they still won't repent, they're to be taken to the church. And if they still won't repent, they will be excluded from the church. So in the context of submitting to one another, it doesn't mean that we actually don't actually uh, point out sins. It doesn't mean submitting to our fellow Christians who have misguided, sometimes fanatical or crazy ideas. Um, look at James and John. They had a crazy idea. While Jesus was, was still uh, preaching his ministry, James and John came up to him and said, uh, in fact, the mother first breached the subject, but they, 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 they um, kind of carried the ball uh, because, because they were seeking to be his right-hand men. And when he was in his glory, they'd be, they'd be seated on, on the right hand and on the left hand of Jesus. You know, um, and Jesus rebuked them and told them that, well, of course, the kingdom of God is not about position and authority. It's about service. Peter's crazy idea. Peter, when Jesus is talking about the fact that the Son of Man, I must go up to Jerusalem and there I will be mocked and scourged and crucified. Oh, no, no, God forbid, that should be so. No, no, that can't be so. What did Jesus do? Jesus told, rebuked him. So the kind of submitting that the New Testament is talking about is serving the church. But it also includes serving them with the truth. Not injuring people by spoiling them, by not pointing out things when we see that they're wrong. Um, We're not not to humor people's self-centered wishes or self-centered behavior by just saying, oh, well, I'm not going to say anything about it. Part of submitting to one another is actually seeking the best for our fellow Christian. Seeking our best for our fellow Christian is to talk in private with her or with him about their sins and seeking to actually change them. In submitting uh, to one another, we uh, do make sure, though, we don't cause, you know, offense, needless offense, following our own hobby horses or our own particular things and divisions. Of course we're to stand up for God's truth. We believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. We believe that the Word of God is the absolute truth about the way people should live their, their lives. And, uh, and we, are to, we are to declare that clearly. But on the other hand, we mustn't major on minors. We mustn't make it into a, an absolute law that, oh, people have got to turn up, you know, um, to so many meetings a week. Uh, they have to eat certain kinds of food. They have to do this. They have to do that. And all of the other kind of rules and regulations you find some Christians actually uh, get involved in doing. No. Uh, Paul tells us, don't pass judgment on, on, on people any longer. Rather, don't put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Now, here's, here he was talking about a controversial question about whether they, the, the people of that, that day should eat certain kinds of meat that, had been, that was found in the markets. And uh, you went along to the market, the only meat you could get was, was in, the, in the meat markets. And often, not always, but most of the time, that meat had been offered to idols. And some Christians said, oh, I'm never going to touch meat because it's defiled, because uh, they prayed over it in the name of an idol. Other Christians said, well, some rubbish. That doesn't make no difference. They could pray what they like. I'll, I'll, I'll eat the meat. And some, some Christians were getting so het up about it, they would refuse to, 
to, you know, to meet, they would condemn these Christians. Paul says, no, you know, this is, this, this is, you know, if you are, if you feel that you can eat this meat, go ahead and eat it. But on the other hand, if you offend someone really badly by your eating of that meat, even though you're really at perfect liberty to eat it and it's not going to give you a problem, in order to prevent that weaker brother being offended deeply, perhaps maybe losing a bit of, maybe losing faith, thinking, oh well, if he thinks it's okay to eat that meat on the, on the, on the market stall, maybe it will be okay if I just go straight to the temple and get the meat from the temple. And that brother, who's a weak brother, actually is caused to fall completely away from Christ because then he's trapped back, brought back into idol worship by actually going to a temple and getting meat from that temple. Paul says this, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so we are prepared to submit ourselves to the conscience of others. Even They've got a tender conscience and they may have some ideas that are not quite right, but rather than actually get them in a mess, we won't do the things that we might normally do. Now, to give it a you know, very simple example would be um, friends that we meet that are teetotalers, people that refuse to drink alcohol at all. Now... Um, you might be someone who drinks alcohol, fine. But if you have a teetotal at your house, someone who says, oh, I never drink alcohol, you don't want to actually pour out a, a, a glass of wine to them if they're a teetotaler. And they, 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 their conscience tells them, oh, no, I, can't, I, I don't want to drink wine. You might, you might think, that, oh, no, that, there's no need to be like that. You can, can drink a bottle of wine. But you should not put a stumbling block in their way that might lead them to uh, go against their conscience in that area, and then perhaps go against their conscience in other, uh, other areas. Let us pursue what makes for peace, this is Romans 14, 19-22, and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it's wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he's eat, he eats. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. So, Part of submitting to our fellow Christians is indeed uh, looking, you know, being aware of, their, of, of what they're offended by and trying not to offend them. We bear with other people's foibles. Paul says in Romans 15.1, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of, weak and not to, uh, of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, this does get complicated, doesn't it? Um, when we come to make particular uh, decisions in, uh, as church members, as Christians, how do we sort out what we should do um, and why we're doing it? You know, we're aware that we, you know, we, we have pride, there's personal egotism and self-will that we've got. And how do we know whether it's, you know, how do we work out what's the right thing to do in a, search, in a certain situ- situation? I mean, this, this, this comes down to, you know, decisions in church meetings and so on. Um, is, are these our personal preferences when we think that something should be done or in, so, in a certain way and so on? Or is this uh, just our own self-will? It's quite hard to sort out. And for that, we, we have to ask the Lord for wisdom. 
And God will show us, I believe, because we promised this in James, that God will give us wisdom uh, to help us, uh, to guide us in our way. But firstly, we must follow the revealed will of God. We must seek the scriptures on, on guidance um, over situations uh, we, we have um, in, in problems with our uh, fellow Christians. And where scripture doesn't clearly give, clearly give guidance, we, we could follow this kind of rule of thumb, which I call, um, well, I won't, I, won't, I won't call it straight away. I'll give you the name that I give to it in a minute. But I, what we will do is we'll follow what Paul says in Philippians 2 verse 4. When he says, don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And uh, in fact, on another occasion, Paul says, put other people's interests before yourselves. So we should always be looking for other people's preferences and count them more important than our own preferences. As long as we're not breaking the word of God, or doing things that are clearly, uh, I mean, if it's, you know, something foolish, like someone says, let's see if I can bungee jump off the top of the church building without a bungee rope. Now, obviously, that preference is mad and, and silly, and we wouldn't want to, you know, to give in to that particular preference. But in the, air, in the normal areas that we're living in our daily Christian lives in church, we, we submit our own personal preferences to our, our fellow Christians. That's part of submitting to one another. Now, Paul gives a very practical example of what you know is meant by mutually submitting to one another when he was talking to the um, the uh, Christians in Corinth. He talks about gifts. He says there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And by the way, at that point we see the equality of Christians. All of us who are believe, in Je- believe in Jesus have some gift given to us or some service or activity that the Lord will give to us if we seek him for it. And all of us are equal before the Lord in that. It's what we might call a democracy of gifts. God uh, you know, democracy, uh, the favorite uh, expression used for democracy is power to the people. But the Lord gives not power to the people. He gives powers to the people of God, activities. He gives varieties of gifts. We all share in them, and they're all to be shared as part of the body of Christ. We are all equal. There's different roles. There are, there are different, there's different authorities. Yes, a pastor and an elder does have a certain authority. But the truth is, they only have that authority as a role. They don't have it because they're a superior Christian. They just have that particular ministry. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And no one is, uh, who is a Christian is, is not part of the body. We are all uh, sharing in the ministries of Christ. And, and Paul, when he's talking to the Corinthians, talks about the way church services and sharing services happen. And he says, you know, in a, in a, in a, a, a worship service, different people have opportunities to do, as, you know, to have a hymn or, or a, a, word from God, a word from God from the Bible in our terms. Everybody should have their chance but it should be done all decently in order. Not everybody shouting over one another. Not everybody, you know, the, 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 the 
more so-called important people uh, having their chance to say their bit, but actually that in a sharing time amongst the people of the Lord, uh, everybody should have their chance to build up the body of Christ. And indeed, that seems to be linked to the, the, the passage we, you know, the passage context. Because Paul has been talking about the church, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. Now, we, we, we have this battle between our own selfish old nature and all these other people that all have their demands, if you like, upon us and and uh, we have, you know, we're, we're kind of struggling. Oh, I don't want to do it, and so on. The thing is, the Bible tells us that we are to walk in this love of Christ. Now, does this mean, though, that we have no rights or interests to look out for for ourselves? You know, I mean, if, uh, if a person is totally all of the time helping this person, helping that person, doing this, doing that, trying to fulfill other people's wishes and desires and preferences, surely they will burn out. And that is exactly right. That's exactly right. And the Bible doesn't say that submitting to one another, having this attitude of humility and love and service and kindness and deference and respect for other people, actually doesn't have certain limits. Uh, a pastor once said to me many years ago, which I found very, uh, very useful uh, uh, phrase, is that we are to have unconditional love for people, but we can only have a limited, a limited commitment. And the same applies uh, in terms of uh, in terms of this thing of submitting ourselves to other people's wishes, helping people. There are limit, limits to us. Jesus made it clear we need adequate rest. When Jesus needed to, he went away by himself to pray and to rest. He, um, we need adequate food and exercise for a healthy life. Um, burnout is a, a real thing that does happen to Christians. That uh, uh, People get so exhausted by Christian work with no uh, remission, with not proper rest, that... They, they often just want to give up and, and, and you know, take two or three years off because they're just completely exhausted. Um, actually, we are to maximize our usefulness to God and therefore maximize our usefulness to other people by looking after ourselves so that we have the health, the sleep, and the energy uh, so that the Lord can use us as long as he wills. When Paul tell, tells Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God that is within you, I actually believe that we can uh, develop that idea to say that, you, you know, by looking after ourselves and making sure we don't burn out, that we have limitations to, to um, our submission to other people's needs and desires, we actually, actually by limiting that, 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 and we are actually helping to keep that flame burning um, throughout our lives. We do have... Um, rights and responsibilities as believers. Paul says, Peter had a right to take a wife along with him. Paul had that right, but he, 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 forg- he, he for- forgoed it for, for his own uh, personal ministry. But above all, what we do is we are imitating Jesus. And uh, just read again those verses from Philippians I started with. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, Although he existed in the form of God, 
did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he'd emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, he humbled himself even to death on the cross. Right, let's pray. Oh, Father, we find it, Lord, um, sometimes difficult to submit to you, uh, let alone, Lord, to submit to other people's wills and wishes and, and, uh, uh, and, and even their, their conversations, Lord, um, because we are self-centered and we're not living close to you. Lord, please help us um, to have in us the mind of Jesus Christ. Um, Lord, we pray this uh, will be so uh, tomorrow and uh, in this coming week. And you will, you will train us in this, in this uh, really important aspect of our lives. Help us, Lord, uh, to be filled with the Spirit when facing the trials of uh, our normal day-to-day work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.